Hey gang, welcome back to the Mike Dillard Podcast, where we provide entrepreneurs like you with the knowledge and skills that you need to bring your dreams to life. Well gang, if you are interested in creating a monthly membership business, or if you currently have one, this podcast is going to be worth millions of dollars to you. Today, we're joined by my friend, Brooke Castillo, who's the founder of thelifecoachschool.com. And holy smokes, does she have one hell of a success story. So over the past few years, Brooke has gone from a place of debilitating depression to building an online membership business that did $17 million in revenue last year in 2018. And this year, she's on track to do $25 million in sales. And get this, she intentionally works less than three days per week. Holy smokes, how in the world did she do that? Well, you're about to find out as Brooke opens up the curtain and walks us through all of the private details of her business in complete transparency. This is by far and away one of the most valuable interviews that we've ever had here on the show. So definitely get ready to take some notes. Now, with that being said, if you would like to start a business like Brooks or like mine, where you can package and sell your knowledge or the knowledge of other experts, make sure you head to joinmikedillard.com and check out the Knowledge Blueprint course that Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi are offering this week. I purchased the course myself a few days ago, and I can honestly say it's one of, if not the best course on how to create an information business that I have ever seen. Why is that? Well, it's because you get the critical mindset piece from Tony Robbins that is often missing from these kinds of programs. And not only that, you get the flip side of the coin. You get to learn from one of the best marketers in the world, Dean Graziosi, who sold over $1 billion worth of information products during his career. And he's going to teach you how to sell your product once it's created. Now, personally, I've made over $60 million selling my knowledge over the past 12 years. So I should know this stuff backwards and forwards, but I have to say, I was taking notes from these two guys like I was just getting started all over again. It really is that good, but registration closes this coming week on May 13th. So head to joinmikedillard.com if you'd like to join myself, Tony Robbins, my friend Dean Graziosi, and Brooke Castillo as a modern day teacher who has achieved financial freedom by simply helping others solve their problems in life. The course is absolutely designed for complete beginners, but it also has a ton of gems for veterans like myself, and I give it a 10 out of 10. So head to joinmikedillard.com to learn more about it yourself. And without further ado, please help me welcome Brooke Castillo. Well, Brooke Castillo, welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh, Mike. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. I've been been looking forward to this for months now since... uh, you and I had a chance to meet at our mutual friend, Mr. Ryan Moran's Lake House, a couple of months ago. I love ago. him. I love Ryan. Shout out to Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's uh, he's been sending out some fascinating emails about the personal right? development stuff he's been going through. Oh my so. goodness, we're going yeah. deep. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So that was an amazing weekend, and it was awesome to meet you and hear about your story. And I've plugged into your podcast, which is fantastic. Oh, thank you. And so I wanted to get you on the show to one share a little bit about your story, but to also talk about your business because you shared what you were, uh, you know, what you had done revenue wise for the year, and the fact that you you have a strict schedule where you only work, I believe, it's three days a week. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really like three half days if if we're being honest. 
So you're just going to rub it in more now. <laughs> no, but I, here's the thing I tell everyone. I'm like, in those half days, I work much harder than most people do all week. So yeah. it's not that I'm not working hard. I'm just working hard in less time. I and think. smarter. Literally, yeah, totally. Literally. So yeah, so I would love to dive in and and talk about your business model and, and what exactly you're doing and how you got there and all of that good stuff. So yeah, I... Let yeah. me just say, when you, when we talked about me coming on the podcast, I love the name of your podcast. I mean, I think it should be Self Made Woman, of well, course. Well, but. <laughs> it's, ch- it's changed now. It's changed, Brooke, in the last Has mu- it really? In the, last the name of it? Four months ago, or not four, four weeks ago, I changed it to the Mike Dillard Podcast. Oh, you did? I did. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so self, Self Made Man is Toast. Self Made Man is Toast. Yeah, the whole website was moved over to MikeDillard.com. And man, this could be a whole episode, but going through the health challenges that I've gone through for the last year, my goal with Self-Made Man was to build a business and an entity that I was not a part of. Oh, yeah, got it. And a sellable asset. Yep. And what I realized is that if you're the person who's writing the emails, doing the podcast, creating the courses, teaching people, <laughs> people are following you. This is true. And I've and I this is so funny because I've literally said this for 12 years when I when I first got into this industry like what what do you do for a living? Well, I'm in the leadership business. And I'm not in the info business. I'm not in the author business. I'm in the leadership mm-hmm. business. And mm-hmm. I ignored that rule when I went through this experiment and it didn't work because mm-hmm. uh when I asked people, "Hey, why do you think, you know, people aren't buying into self-made man or the platform or these classes. And every single one of them said, because you're not a part of it. <laughs> so, oh, that's so fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So so we moved it all over a month ago, changed the podcast, changed the platform. And and I'm just going to get back to, to doing what I, I love to do and not worry about the, the whole business exit stuff anymore. And yeah, yeah, just help people. So yeah, I it's so interesting, right? Because it's like, I love how vulnerable and clear you are about, you know, the attempts that you have made. I was listening to your podcast the other day and you're like, no, I haven't just done it once. I've done it twice, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and just being able to share that experience and to keep going, I think is like such a testament. And, you know, business like beats us up sometimes, right? And yeah. and I think it's 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 such a like i don't know a testament to being an entrepreneur that we're willing to go out there in the world and they just get our ass kicked and then do it again and so my hat's off to you for that and and i really appreciate you sharing it with everyone because i think it's so important for us to hear i think sometimes it's just shiny facebook pictures that the entrepreneurs put out there and don't share kind of the underbelly of it yeah i learned that i learned that 15 years ago 20 years ago when i got started uh, you know, this was in the year 2000 in the network marketing industry before mm. the internet, right? That's what I was in college and, and getting involved in. And I always th- thought it was really, really annoying that no matter which company I went to, the people who were making money just talked about how easy it was. Right. Oh, just go find three people who find three people, right? Or whatever. And after doing that and failing at it for five years, I realized they were completely full of crap. And... <laughs> They had been busting their asses day after day for years, becoming true professionals at whatever skill set they were masters of. And it was the anything but, oh, just go do this and that and you'll be successful. It's so true. So I've always tried to just tell the truth, folks, and be authentic about it because they're going to, like, you're not serving them if you're telling them it's easy. <laughs> it's well, right. Not. Right. And I was, I was just listening to your latest podcast with Hal on yeah. it. it. It's, you know, the miracle M- morning. Equation, it, yeah. 
you know, and, and I'm like, oh, it's so fascinating that the miracle is him working his ass off. Yeah. <laughs> right. That really is the, one half of the miracle is, you know, that we work hard. And so I, I like to embrace it and not pretend like it's not true. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Josh Bazzoni said one time uh, on, uh, on the show, entrepreneurship is a full contact sport. Oh, it's so true, isn't and it? Well, like how? I'm living that this year. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've you've gone through your shit. Yes. And I was really surprised when I heard your story. And and it was actually really inspiring and helpful to me because this was a few months ago when I was really in the deep pit of despair of mm-hmm. my health challenge. And just to hear that you went through that and now you're where you're at, I was like, oh, that's right. so inspiring and hopeful. So I would love it if you could, you know, give everybody maybe the five to 10 minute version of that. Yeah. I mean, I think I, you know, I'm in the, I run a life coach school, right? So I'm always talking to people who are, you know, coming and searching for solutions and who are in despair emotionally because life has kicked them in the ass in some way. And I think the process of getting over that, the process of, I think it's kind of where you are right now where, yeah, it's fun to make money. It's fun to have a business. It's fun to be out there in the world, but none of it matters if your relationship with your health, your mental health and you know your body isn't aligned. Like none of that matters. So I think the work that I did to kind of deal with my own depression and my own anxiety and my own struggle with my weight, which seemed kind of superficial at the time, is the exact work that has gotten me to the financial and business success that I have now. And I think that, I don't know, it feels like that's a hard sell to the people who come to me who want to make millions of dollars. But they're like, oh, those are the soft skills. You know, I'm like, no, those are the badass skills that, that get you to where you need to be. So I think that learning how to acknowledge where I was in despair, where I've been in, you know, I I deal with a lot of anxiety and a lot of, I have dealt with a lot of depression and anxiety back and forth throughout my life. And I've done my best to cope with it as most people do. I started with food because that seemed like the most logical and easy solution that wouldn't get me arrested. And there was such a tyranny with that, like the constant overeating and the overexercising and the hating myself and the hating my body. And then, you know, once I got over that, I kind of reconciled my weight struggle. Then I went right into a drinking issue. And I think that uh, for so many entrepreneurs that that if we call it the pretty addiction, especially for women, <laughs> because, you know, it's a glass of Chardonnay. How could that possibly be wrong? You know, we're not shooting heroin in a basement somewhere. But for me, that was really such a, a way, it's just a toxic way of trying to deal with what is the human experience, right? And so I think all of that pain and suffering, and when you're in a state like that, it's, I just kept telling myself, like, I just want to heal, but I don't know how. And the other thing I kept saying is that I want to want to stop drinking. And I kept wanting to want to make myself feel better and get better, but I just couldn't get myself out of kind of this this cycle of despair. It was really, really challenging. And I've always 
wanted to be an example of what is possible in my life. And I kept telling myself, like, if I can figure this out, you know, first it was with my weight and then it was with the drinking. If I can figure this out, then I want to teach it to everyone. And one of the things that I learned and that I'm still learning and still practicing is that we have to make peace with what is true for us. And so for me, it was I had an underlying anxiety issue that I was trying to medicate and I was trying to take care of myself by, you know, drinking or eating or what we call in our industry buffering, like any way of of not experiencing that. And so what I finally realized was that I just needed to embrace that I was a person that was going to feel anxious most days. And that has been my truth. That is when I wake up, I feel anxious. My brain likes to um, make up stories about how I'm horrible and did horrible things. <laughs> Everything I did the day before was horrible. And it likes to remind me that I'm just not a good person. And it's, it's like um, a loop that was created when I was a child that I have not been able to unravel. And with all my experience in coaching and psychology and all of that, I've always felt like this shouldn't be happening to me, right? I should be more evolved and happier and more free. And I wanted to be like Eckhart Tolle. I wanted to just be able to sit on a bench and enjoy mosquitoes biting me. And that just, I was just so frustrated that that was never happening to me. And what really made the shift for me was just accepting that, no, this is my human experience. And I got to the place where I started to really notice that my life's always been about 50-50. So it's always been about 50% terrible <laughs> in terms of emotions and, and viewpoints in the world and 50% amazing. And I think all of my unhappiness and buffering and medicating came from this place that I thought it should be 100%. I thought I should always be 100% energetic and happy and on fire all of the time. And that one belief, which seems like a positive belief, was really deteriorating my life. And when I embraced the idea that, no, it's supposed to be 50-50, I think that is the human experience. There is no you know, joy without sadness and there is you know there's no happiness without sadness and there is no peace without anxiety and that changed everything for me and i think has made me be able to show up at a much higher level with much more capacity to produce and accomplish my dreams without always which ironically of course produces the results at such a higher level i don't ever drink anymore i don't overeat anymore it got me everything that i wanted by accepting all of the all of my shortcomings, which is kind of a so the opposite you, way you think. Can you can you take that just one level deeper? Because I'm I'm sitting here wondering, and I'm sure everybody else is. Okay, what did that look like, or what did what exactly did you do besides just say, oh, okay, I accept, and then you you magically woke up one day and you don't feel like eating or over drinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's be clear. So there was this moment that, and, and it, I don't like to say like, oh, there was this aha moment and then everything was perfect. But what it really was, was I recognized that I had always been trying to outrun everything that wasn't working, right? And for so many of us, we think that money is the answer to that, right? If we just get enough money, then everything will be great. And of course, that's not true. And it's so annoying when people say that when they have money, because they're like, easy for you to say that because you have money. But it really is the truth. And I, listen, I'm a huge fan of money. I love it. I, I like it. I think it's a, a, a really genuine, purposeful pursuit if you do it right. But I also realized that 
there was no there there that I wasn't ever going to get to this place where I was successful and happy and peaceful and free. And there had always been that promise that there was, there was this place of arrival. And when I kind of started understanding that there wasn't what I made peace with was feeling terrible sometimes. So what that looked like is I was in a hotel with my husband and we went into one of those like kind of old school, like fancy bars. It was like at this really fancy hotel. Hmm. And the waiter came by and he's like, would you like, and my husband ordered like this, a scotch and you know, they bring the scotch in the beautiful glass with the big square, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) ice cube. And if you love alcohol, like I did, like that was torture. I'm like, are you kidding me with this beautiful glass and this beautiful drink? And I remember sitting there in the moment I said, my option here is to order a glass of Chardonnay or sit here and feel restless. And I had this moment where I understood that like the truth is I feel restless right now. And that is what is in my life. And I think I was always willing to give up drinking as long as I wasn't going to feel restless. I needed the solution to that would make it easy, right? So it's like, okay, I'll give up drinking, but I still want to feel great all the time. So how do we do that? And that's what I kept pursuing. And then I realized, oh, no, it's not about that. It's you give up drinking and you feel restless because that's what's true for you as a human in this moment. And that's okay. And I'm telling you, like my brain exploded a little bit. And so what happened was I started acknowledging when I didn't feel great and I stopped trying to fix it all the time. I stopped trying to make it go away all of the time because part of the problem when we don't feel well emotionally or physically is we keep rejecting that, which makes it so much harder to have authority over it. So when I embraced it and in fact utilized it and and saw that it was part of my journey and something that I, I could incorporate into my life instead of constantly rejecting it, that changed everything for me. So what that looks like on a day to day basis is I wake up and I feel anxious and my brain tells me I'm a terrible person and I give it a little wink. (laughs) You know, I see that it's there and I feel that anxiety. And the way that I describe it to my clients is I I carry it with me like a heavy purse and I know that it's there and I've made peace with it. And ironically, that has given me so much less anxiety because I still have the anxiety. I just don't have anxiety about the anxiety, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I can relate to relate to that with the sleep deal. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean even even uh it's so funny. I've made I've made some progress over the last month or two and I'll get to a point where I'm uh, like about to fall asleep for the first time without a bunch of medication or whatever. Yeah. And just that freaks me out and gets me so excited that I wake up. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's You're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to fall asleep. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you better stay awake for it. <laughs> yeah. It's brutal. It's brutal. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I get it. Um, well, you and made it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think about kind of your story a little bit. And I think it's, it's being able to look at your sleep issues and look at your business dealings and have them not not pretend like they're great, right? Not pretend like, oh, this is just part of the deal and it's super awesome, but also know that it's just, it really is on purpose part of the journey. I think when we start, we try to reject those things away, like, oh, we did that wrong. We should have done it better. I should have had a perfect 
you know, business that blew up and I was able to sell or whatever. I think that's where we just compound our own suffering completely unnecessarily, especially as entrepreneurs, because we want ourselves to be successful. That's like our main goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, yeah, it's easy to be hard on yourself. Oh yeah, for sure. But there's just no upside. That's what I learned. There's just no upside. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. So obviously that was a huge transformational experience for you. And today you're in a a very different place. Uh, You, you know, Mm -hmm. you just mentioned that you still, you know, work on that every single day, but from, you know, from everything I know about you, you're happy, you're healthy, business is on fire. Yes. Uh, You're cranking and things are awesome. So what was the starting point for that transition business-wise? Yeah, it's a good question. So, and this is where kind of that personal work like really does develop into abundance work. So I think it's kind of what Dan Sullivan calls the strategic byproducts of kind of accomplishing things. And I think the work that I did to kind of get over myself in terms of the overeating and the overdrinking and all the anxiety that I experienced was I made a decision that I was willing to experience whatever it is that was true for me on purpose and fully. So all the range of emotions that are presented by my brain to my body is kind of how I describe it. I'm willing to experience all of them because what I realized is that the worst emotion, like humiliation and failure and fear and terror and insecurity and all of those, the worst of them are really just vibrations in our body. They really are just harmless if we don't resist them. And it was just, it was so impactful for me to realize that because when we set huge goals for ourselves and we go about accomplishing them, the worst part about that whole experience is we don't want to experience negative emotion. We don't, we set smaller goals so we don't disappoint ourselves. We, you know, keep ourselves small so we don't have to go through all of that. And so for me, I realized there wasn't an emotion that I wasn't willing to experience. So why not just fully embrace the human experience, all of it, knowing that there's no there there and knowing that it's never going to be better than it is today. And that a lot of my students have a hard time with that because we're always in the pursuit of better because we think we'll feel better in the achieving of the better. And so here's what I mean by that. You know, our business will do 25 million this year. That's unbelievably exciting and amazing and a huge goal for us that we will have accomplished. And that's awesome. But I'll still 50% of the time feel terrible just for different reasons than I did at 1 million. Right. Right. And so I think for me, knowing that, knowing that like, yeah, it's super cool that our business is growing and we're making all this money, but it's not because of that success that I'm going to feel better than I did at 1 million. And when we start to believe that there's somehow some accomplishment that we can do that will relieve the human experience, that's when I think we suffer the most. But when we understand, no, like the human experience is always going to be here and why not have some fun and make some money along the way? That's when it does like genuinely become easier because you're not tied up and attached to it, right? You're not like so desperate for it or so devastated by it when it doesn't work out because you think if it works out, then something great's going to happen. And it's true. Something great does happen, 
but also a bunch of horrible things happen too, because that is the human experience, right? I'm experiencing problems now that I never had when I was making a million dollars a year. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Right. And that's okay. Because now all of a sudden there's this, when's the other shoe going to drop and the imposter syndrome and who the hell do you think you are? And all that stuff that is now coming and managing people and managing a team and taxes, like all these crazy things that I just haven't been upset about because I feel like it's just an exchange. And I think it's just for me has been the most important mindset because, and I'll tell you why the three days a week thing works for me and doesn't work for most other people. When you have this belief that success, and there's many of the people listening to your podcast that have this belief because I had it, you may have had it too, right? If you were making $25 million with a you know 60% margin that you would be better and happier and more accomplished and more worthy in the world, right? And it's not like something you think about consciously. You're not like, oh, I want to go get my self-worth. I'm going to go make a lot of money. But under the underlying idea is I want to go prove my success out, out in the world. And so what happens is we get in a hurry for it because we can't stand where we are. We can't stand the feeling of insecurity that we have now. And that hurry causes us to work too many hours. And to the, the hurry is the anxiety. So we're driven to the success by insecurity, by unworthiness. And we know that once we accomplish it, then we will look around and we'll be able to say, see, now I'm worthy. And people will look at us that way, which of course, it really sucks, but that does not happen. People will admire you because you've made these accomplishments. People will be interested in you, but nobody's going to think you're more worthy, especially you, right? Will not, will not think that you're more worthy there than here. And I think that's disappointing. I think that <laughs> I wish there was a way to like create that. So what I had to figure out is that I'm 100% worthy, whether I'm making, you know, $20,000 a month or $100,000 or $2 million. My worth is never going to change and I'm never going to be more secure and I'm never going to be better than I am right now. So then it lets me slow down. And what that does is it allows less anxiety, less stress, less hustle, less hours of work because my belief is, so my goal is within 10 years to make $100 million, I have zero doubts that we will do that. And so I can just chill. And, and it doesn't mean that I don't work hard during my work hours. I'm just not in a hurry because I have nothing to prove to myself or to anyone else. And I know that sounds like so, I don't know. I, people have said those words before, but I just, you know, it's kind of almost cliche that people say that, but that is the truth. Yeah. That is the ultimate truth. It's so interesting. I think this is most visible when it comes to dating. Mm. And that is the fact that the harder you chase after someone, the faster they run away. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) That is not attractive. Desperation is not attractive. (laughs) Well, it's being attached to the outcome. Of course, yeah. And if you're attached to the outcome and someone that you have an interest in and you pursue the person with that attachment, Mm -hmm. it comes across as needy and, and weak and desperate and it's an instant turnoff, like it's repulsive. Yeah. So true. And so maybe that'll help people kind of relate to to what you're talking about when it comes to business success or money. Or if yeah, you'll just sit back and be yourself and relax and do what you know you want to do without it you know, needing to chase down a timetable or something like that. It'll just happen. Yeah. And 
I mean, and people are like, yeah, whatever. But it's really true because you have to think about, and this is kind of an easy way to think about, like, what emotion is fueling your success? Because if the emotion that is fueling you your success and that is fueling your drive and your work to accomplishment is scarcity or is insecurity or is frustration, that emotion that is driving you is going to destroy you literally, that negative emotion, because you won't be able to satisfy it. You won't be able to keep up with it. It's never going to be enough because action can't solve any of those emotions. But if you're being fueled by confidence and security and a willingness to experience any kind of negative emotion, then it's almost like you get compounded drive because confidence breeds capability, which brings confidence, which breeds capability, and it feels good. So I always like to say to my students, my life coach students, like if it feels really bad, like, and you feel like you're in a hurry to get out of it, you're doing it wrong. It should feel uncomfortable in many ways because it's new, but it should never feel like you're beating the crap out of yourself towards success. Like, I think people think, oh, I'll just beat myself up until I make all that money and then I'll feel really good about myself, which of course never happens. Well, or you'll do something to lose it. Of course, right? Then you sabotage yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We had a we had a John Gary Bishop on the show a couple of a couple of weeks ago who talked about that. He's like, I'd build it and burn it. And I'd build it again, yeah. I'd burn it again. And and it would just continued for twenty years until he finally figured it out. So yeah, I mean, yeah. this is something that I've recently really had to reconcile with myself is the capacity to have is what I call it. So we've had so much success in our business and our profit margins are so high that we have more money than we can even imagine having like in our bank account. And I watch myself wanting to like spend it, wanting to like get rid of it in some way. It's the most fascinating thing. And I was telling my husband, who's also my business partner, I said, I need to like increase my capacity to just have it, to just be with it. Why is that so challenging? Like that's, I'm like watching myself and being fascinated by that because I think having it takes out the idea that it's, that, that it's like out there somewhere that I can still achieve this nirvana living in my life. No, you already have it. So why isn't everything perfect yet? Better get rid of some of it so we can then pursue it again. And yeah. I, I did the same thing with my weight, did the same thing with drinking, all of it. Yeah. No, I can relate. I've talked, I've, I've taught, you know, entrepreneurs for, for years now that keeping money is harder than making money. Yeah. It's and fascinating. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. Like the moment I make a bunch of money, I will find somewhere to put it. And it might yeah. be in an investment. It might be. And the higher car. risk, the better, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what is wrong with us? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's and it's a common experience. Yeah, and it's you know I, I've I've always mentioned that the personality traits that we have as entrepreneurs and our tolerance and willingness to undertake risk mm -hmm. when applied to money is a, d a recipe for disaster. Yes. Uh, so you have, totally once you agree. make it, you have to make a conscious effort to change and coach yourself or get guidance. Because if you continue to be the same person that you were that got you the money, you're going to risk it. Yes. That's, yeah. ooh, that's well said. Yes, that's exactly right. You have to keep like evolving yourself yeah. into the person that can have more. But I've seen this happen with my students too, is like 
when they get it, it feels so awkward because it is, it's like an identity crisis. It's like all of a sudden now I'm this person that I always wanted to be, meaning I have all this money and I don't know how to be this person, which feels so scary. Mm-hmm. And so you have to kind of step into that next, next, next version of, of who you are. So from a, from a business model perspective, I'm, I'm fascinated by your business. Yes. And from the outside looking in, you know, I've gone through your web pages. I've, again, listened to the podcast. Mm-hmm. It seems too simple. So I think like I'm missing something. So from the outside, from the outside yeah. looking in, I see two products. I see the coaching you provide yep. for $297 a month. Yep. And to people who want life coaching. And then I see the become a coach certification program for $297 a month. No, the become a coach certification is 18000 18,000. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So could could you walk me through your business model and kind yeah, of make of sure I've got it accurate? Because yeah, I'm just fascinated. Yeah. So um, I have to credit Frank Kern, who has been my coach for several years. Mm-hmm. I went to um, a meeting at his house and we talked a lot about constraint. We talked a lot about let's find the mo- the highest performing thing that you do and rinse and repeat that over and over. And I'm not always very... <laughs> willing to do everything coaches tell me to do. But when I signed up with Frank, I made a deal with my husband business partner that I would do everything he said. And so and I... Y'all paid, paid a lot of money for that coaching too. <laughs> I did pay a lot. Yeah. yeah. And so I did say... Uh, I said... Although, you know what? That's so relative. I think that first... I think I paid $36,000 and you know now I'm going to make $25 million. So did I pay a lot for it? <laughs> well, I, I remember when y'all were talking like, hey, this is going at on the, the credit time, card. It was, this yes. is our last deal. Like it was a big deal at the moment. Yeah. yeah. So it's such, it was such a big deal. And he uh, recommended that I did a membership site and my certification and that was it. And I started a membership site, which I had always had really high end expensive stuff. So to sell something for 297 was a huge, huge shift for me. I mean, the minimum you would have to pay to work with me would have been $12,000 before that. So to offer something for 297 was really a shift. And so that is my membership program, my coaching program. And that's recurring revenue. So we've been doing that for two and a half years now. I set the goal of 3,000. I wanted 3,000 members within three years, which is a very conservative goal. But for those of you who have membership programs, you know that it's constantly filling an empty bucket. Mm -hmm. So by the time we're done, we will not have sold 3,000 memberships. We will have sold 10,000 memberships, right? Because... To get 3,000 active. Yeah, exactly right. So that was kind of a surprise to learn like the the marketing that is required in order to sell a membership. It's one of the hardest things you can sell on the internet. But if you can figure it out, it's a pretty sweet deal. So let me ask you for the 297, Mm -hmm. when you were first starting this out, because I know you have a team now. Yeah. But when you were first starting, what was your responsibility every week or month to deliver for your customers? And and what does that look like? It's because it's it's no longer individual coaching now. At 297, it's got to be in a group format. Oh, it was never individual coaching. It was, okay. always, it was always me coaching once a week, but to the whole group. And we do it on Zoom. So the group doesn't know how many people are on the call, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll pull someone on the call and coach them. But, and there's people listening, but it doesn't feel like 
everybody's watching you because it's just me and you on there in terms of what you can see on Zoom. I see. And so it feels like personal coaching, but it, it really is a group experience. Most of the people get the benefit from watching me coach someone else and relating it to their own experience. So the first year was really the toughest because what I did when I created it was I created a physical book that we sent to everyone. And I got that idea from Frank. And so the first year I had to create the book create the video content, and then do the coaching all myself on the call. So once a week, I would do all the coaching. And so each month, I would create the workbook, get it designed, get it shipped out to everyone, record the videos, and then do the coaching. I had a couple of assistants at the time who would put it online and help me with that. And I have a web company that would do that as well. But it was a lot of work the first year. And then what I decided to do is just repeat the year. Yeah which was really genius on my part because Frank doesn't do that in his membership. He has to, he's still coming up. He's like in his fourth year of doing it. He still has to come up with content every single month, which I, I just couldn't do that. It's a no. lot. Yeah. That is a lot it of is work. A huge so, um, and the work that I offer is application work. So it's not just content. So the students that stay with us multiple years in a row um, are doing the same work, but they're not the same. So it actually, they experience it differently. So um, we created some incentives for staying on. If you're there for six months, you become VIP and you get additional benefits. And then if you are there for a year, you're a diamond member. So you get more time with me. We, um, You can come and do some in-person stuff with me. So there are incentives for, for staying on longer. Now, so quick question. Sure. So you've got the year of content and then you can repeat that the next yes. year. Yes. But you're bringing on new people every day and every month. So they're going to be on a different timetable. Everybody comes on for the month that we're doing, right? So May, you if you're signing up right now, it's April 18th. If you sign up for Scholars right now, yeah. you will start in May. And everyone will be on the same topic for May. Everyone will have the same workbook. Oh, so they're not, they're not building on, on each other necessarily. No. Okay. They all stand alone content. We ah. did that on purpose. So now we also have, and I think this might be similar to the program you used to have, is we also have an assets page where I have my weight loss program and my over drinking program and my feeling better program and my entrepreneur program. So those are kind of always available. We call them like the Netflix section. So if yeah. you want to go in there and just watch videos, which I think is similar to what you had offered. So people who are really interested in weight loss, jump in and start listening to those and, and watching those. Other people do drinking, other people do entrepreneurship. So those are kind of the constant evergreens that everybody has all the time. And then each month we do a different thing. And so it's just been kind of a magical thing where we've set the goal to constant. We keep it open all the time, but we close it down in terms of scarcity. We say, hey, you can no longer participate in May. Now we're on to June and then we're on to July. So that's that's kind of how we sell it. And I every once in a while add new stuff, but mostly it's the same information. And And so is your primary sales tool a webinar? No. I have a few webinars that I do to sell it, but mostly we do what we call like mini workshops where people can watch. And so I have so many of those assets that will put you into one kind of maybe a mini workshop or an ad or something. And then you go into our funnel that kind of gives you everything, right? We just keep giving you webinars and we keep giving you different kind of mini workshops. 
but most people find scholars from my podcast and buy it immediately. And that, so, so, so what does that look like, right? Your call to action from the podcast is what? And feel free to give it out. Yeah, yeah. I always, I'm always talking about scholars. We call it scholars on the podcast. I'm always saying, hey, this is what we're doing in scholars this month. If you were in scholars, you would know about this. If you're, you know, if you want coaching from me, if you want help on this topic, come to scholars. So it's always being seated and talked about. And so now your podcast is, is, well, real quick. So what, what would be the website you would send them to? Thelifecoachschool.com forward slash join. Okay. We call it, we call it the join page. Yeah. So anyone who comes to our site can find it there. Okay. And your podcast is huge. Yes. Like, it's massive. And I, that was a question I, I was looking forward to asking you. Is that a growth all just organic or yes. did you hack it or? No, I want to know how to hack it. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, you, I don't know how to hack it. Yeah. Like, I've been you, at it a while. I haven't ever missed a week in four years. So it's just, I think it's just compounded interest. And how, uh, how many downloads do y'all get a month on average? You know what? I don't watch those stats because they kind of freak me out. But the last time I checked, I think we get like 90,000 the first week an episode goes out. So, okay. so probably three, let's just say three to 400,000 a month. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. I know it's like, I know it's like top 150 on iTunes. So yeah. 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 No, you're, you're yeah, like top 10 in business. Easy. Super cool. Okay, so yeah, I was checking out the the join page here, and so that's where you send people for the primary call to action, and yep. it, that just blows me away because you have just this sh- four minute video, yep, and three pages of copy in an order form, yep. <laughs> like what? It, it just blows my mind. It, but this yep. is, it's, I guess, it's just an example of the fact that you've done so much relationship building. Yes, and that's what folks. I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, so I'll say it right now. But a lot of people ask me what they should charge for their product or mm. how, should, how should they sell it. Yeah. And the way I equate it is that you need to, someone needs to spend at least an hour with you for every 500 to $1,000 you want them to spend with you. Mm. Uh, meaning that if you spend an hour and a half with with me on one of my webinars, you're gonna feel okay spending fifteen hundred bucks to two thousand yes. bucks, right? Hmm. Yeah, and that's just kind of how it's always worked. And so, with your podcast, if they're spending an hour with you a week or more, you're banking all of that relationship equity up, and then you can make an offer like that without having to do the hour long, hour and a half long webinar VSL, whatever, because. You've already got all those minutes racked up with them, right? The relationship That's exists. True. Yeah. The people yeah. who buy off the podcast. I, I think it's important to say too, like we do a lot of Facebook ads. We, we put a lot of money into Facebook ads. Yeah. So, um, and we do send them to many webinars and many workshops and they're on our list for a while. We sell a lot of self-coaching scholars. We make a lot of money per month on that program. But when you look at our entire list, it's like 1% of our list. So our list is huge. So the 1% is big. But in the scheme of things, I think a lot of brand new entrepreneurs want to do membership sites. And they're like, why can't I get enough people? And I think it's, um, you know, it's that don't compare your, you you know, kind of your beginning to my end. This is many years of building up a list and a following and 
you know, people really being interested in my content that has made, I think this membership possible. I think memberships are super difficult to start with as a, as a business model when you don't have that relationship built up and that trust built up. And, you know, people want more of me because they've listened to me on the podcast and I'm in self-coaching scholars. So yeah, no. And do you, do you have an annual option or is it just the two ninety seven dollars no. a month? No, I really like to keep my business as simple as possible. So yeah. there's one way to pay. Nobody ever gets a discount. Nobody ever gets a scholarship. It's always everybody pays the same. And the other thing that we do in our membership is once you quit, you can't come back in. Ooh, brutal. <laughs> yeah, because we were having people quit and then come back and quit and then come back. And that's not the energy we wanted in there. So yeah. we just told them. And it probably cost us a lot of money. But And do you, do, you, do you set the expectation when they join like, hey, this is a 12-month deal. We're expecting you to be here for 12 months. We don't say we expect it, but we encourage it. Yeah. We, and we do say, we do offer, we say, hey, if you're here for a year and you do all this work and you're not a different person, we will give you your money back. Right. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. And so on the certification side, is that a big chunk of your business, the $18,000 certification, or is this the primary revenue it's about It's about half and half. So we're doing no. about two, two-ish million a month. Half of it is scholars, half of it is certification. What we didn't anticipate, what I didn't anticipate is how much self-coaching scholars would feed my certification program. So self-coaching scholars, which is my membership program, is for clients who want yeah. me to coach them, right? Yeah. And so what happens is they come in and they get coached and they you know, really love the process and really love what they're doing. And then they decide they want to become coaches. So that was just a delightful surprise that so many of them then decided they wanted to become certified through the school. From a retention perspective, have y'all, you mentioned earlier, you've got some, you know, some bonuses or milestones, but have you figured, figured out something that really has made a huge difference for you retention wise? I think that kind of the statuses that we created that your VIP diamond, double diamond, triple diamond, people really, really love that because it, it really is important. Like if I'm coaching someone and they say, Hey, I'm a diamond. I know they've been in scholars for an entire year. I can coach them differently than someone that's brand new. And so that has made a very big difference. I think people wanting to kind of hit those accomplishment markers. I know for me, that's important. Like, oh, I want to become Dumble Diamond. And so people will say, when they introduce themselves on a coaching call, they're like, I'm almost Double Diamond. I'm almost Diamond. I'm almost VIP. So I think that was pretty smart of us to do that in the beginning. Yeah. And I do think it's important to make the, if you're doing a membership, to make it easy to onboard people, especially in ours. We have so much content in there that people get overwhelmed. And so we set it up in the beginning to, you know, really onboard people in a way that hopefully w will prevent that overwhelm. So that, you know, because most of our people will stay with us from three to six months we have about a 10% churn. It, it goes from 10, like from 6% to 10%, depending on the month and, mm -hmm. and what's going on. So we've just accommodated that churn and put ourselves goals according to that. But we have a, quite a few people that have been with us, you know, hundreds of people that have been with us the whole time. Which so what do they, cool. what do they do after the 12 months is up? They just go through the same curriculum again? Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. We, go, we go through the curriculum again because what it is, is it's a practice. It's kind of like, well, what do you do after 12 months of meditation? Yeah. <laughs> you do it again. <laughs> you go back and refine right? it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do after 12 months of exercise? So that's kind of 
it's different than just educating them. If it was like, well, what do you do after your freshman year? You could do your freshman year again. That's not what it is. It's more of a practice. Right. We're teaching them. So yeah, it's all the same curriculum, but it's done in such a different way the second year than it would be the first. Yeah. My brain's just turning right now. The the thing that I'm really fascinated by that makes this work for me and I understand it now is the fact that every month is a standalone deal. Yes. Where what I've been thinking about, because I've been thinking about how I want to structure my business moving forward. Yes. Is making it in the form of a journey where I've been thinking about planning out this 12-month journey where every two weeks, and it literally is like a 12-month kind of roadmap where we've thought about making almost like a cartoon map and you know, every two weeks you get a new class with a new milestone and you've got an end destination that we're taking you to 12 months later. Mm-hmm. But you, when you do that, it's hard to do live coaching calls very hard. If you make it sing- sequential, I would never recommend you do that. Right. Like right. a lot of courses are like drip courses like that. Yeah. But you can't add people in the fourth month with people that are in right. their first month, right? Well, some people try and do that, but I, I get frustrated when I'm in a course like that. No, you're like, what do you mean? What What are they talking about? When is that? What month? You know, I could just, right. I can already see it. So that's yeah. that's why this has been really a really cool epiphany. How do you choose the people that you select to coach on your live calls? We have a very extensive qualification process <laughs> through our certification program. Okay. I have people that evaluate their coaching and evaluate their teaching and give them really strong feedback and make them, you know, test everything. So, one of the things in my industry that's super important in terms of coaching is this ability we call to hold the space because we're not just coaching people on their businesses. We're not just mentoring, right? We're we're really taking people into the the depths. And so we really pre-qualify everyone to make sure that they're super good. And then, you know, we test them out and we get feedback from our clients and students and make sure that it's a good fit. And then those are the instructors. Most of our instructors are master certified. So they've gone through my master certification program. So I feel pretty confident in the people we have, we have doing that. But I have to tell you this, like in the beginning, I was doing all the coaching. Yeah. And you get this idea. So this is, it's interesting that you had said you had tried to kind of go to the other extreme where nothing was about you. And now you're kind of going back to it being about you. But I think there's a beautiful in-between place that I have landed in where, yes, it's about me and it's about my teachings and it's about my curriculum, but I don't have to be the one that teaches it to you and I don't have to be the one that coaches you. And that's what's made everything leverageable because I think, I don't know that this is true, but I think if I had tried to like exit out of this business and not be a part of it, I think I would have lost everybody. But I also can't be the one all the time either. Yeah. Does that make sense? So yeah. it's kind of like trying to find this balance, which I think is a, is a really good way of thinking about it. Like, yes, Mike, we want you, but we can also have someone else teach us stuff too, as long as you've trained them and you trust them. Right. Right. Yeah. Do y'all do any kind of like welcome onboarding phone calls or, you know, no. uh, okay. So like, it's just mm-hmm. all via email. We do have a customer service. So like, if you want to um, call our customer service for help, you can. We also have within Scholars, we have a 10-minute coaching session. We call it tutoring. So if you feel lost or something, you can schedule a session with a coach for 10 minutes and get help. Like I teach a model. And so sometimes people are confused about that. So they jump on a call for 10 minutes and get 
get help on like organizing that or if they feel like they can't find something. So we do have that option that's totally free and included. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah, that just answered so many questions that I had. Are you going to do a membership? Is that your plan? Well, you know, what's interesting is we have that catalog of classes that we did for Self-Made yes. Man, right? Right. So we've got these 40 amazing classes that are the highest production quality you can get with just some amazing, amazing people. And what I found that with the catalog model, because we modeled Skillshare and Udemy and uh, not yeah. Masterclass, but those those types of platforms, is that you would go there and maybe you're going to buy a class because it's going to solve your single problem in that moment. But there's no leadership or journey or path or anything relationship built or anything beyond beyond that. Right. And so the thought pattern that I'm having right now and the model that I'm evaluating right now is really putting that behind closed closed doors, you know, putting the curtain down again. Yeah. And then turning it into a 12-month journey where we'll take 24 of the classes and release one to you every two weeks, but they're all going to be in a in a very specific order that builds upon each other, mm. right? So in the beginning, it would probably be the first one would be Russell Brunson on how to build an online business. And that's going to mm-hmm. show you the very basic 101 of how to build a funnel and what that looks like and the math that makes all of this work. And then, you know, we would go maybe there from how to come up with a vivid vision with Cameron Harold for your business. What do you want to build, right? And it would just kind of keep on progressing, but in a very logical manner. And then I would do an intro that we would put at the beginning of every class. So instead of just Cameron Harold showing up and saying, hi, I'm Cameron, and there not being a lot of context, it would be me for five to 15 minutes telling them why this is the next step in the process, giving them feedback about what I've learned in my experience, what I've done for, you know, teaching and then introducing and building up Cameron and sharing the value around that. And then really, yeah, making it a a roadmap. And so it would be a really a 12 month automated process at that point. The only thing I would tell you to do is if you're going to do a live component to it, the only thing I would say is like, don't make it sequential, just make it like, this is the curriculum. It doesn't matter which order you take it in. Like these are the 12 components of building a business. Yeah. Well, let's, I mean, we'll just, we're kind of turning this into a, a consulting call with you, but oh, I, which I would <laughs> I think gladly it's probably accept. useful for people who want membership. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of always interesting where I'm kind of sharing the thought process I've been having around my business before I've made a decision with everybody. So you guys are experiencing this in real time with us right now. Which, but, of course, we love as listeners, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't, I, I would, I'm not, I, I'm not attached to, nor do I necessarily want to do a live call. Oh, got it. Okay. So, the biggest decision that I would have to make is the price. Yeah. And, you know, previously I built a very successful membership business up that, that was 97 a month or 597 a year. Mm-hmm. And, those yearly payments were super important because that was the arbitrage that allowed us to pay for our paid advertising campaigns, right? Mm, so one right. out of four would take the annual, which means we'd sacrifice that for customer acquisition and then I would have the other three on monthly. Yeah. So now the question is, and you've got so many different monthly membership entrepreneur training deals out there, right? So yeah. 
do I use it as a front end and maybe make it 20 bucks a month and and just have it be kind of the first gateway into my ecosystem and world and then maybe have a mastermind after that in addition to that for people who are doing at least seven figures a year or do I do it at 97 a month or 197 a month like that's it's almost like a shot in the dark I you know I think this is such an interesting question I think all of us as entrepreneurs like question like how should we price stuff and how should we position it to the yeah. market and I don't think it's arbitrary I don't think it's a shot in the dark I think it has to be a conscious decision because the way that I think about my business model is Self coaching scholars is my front end and it's 297. So when we approached this year, I said, I'm willing to break even on scholars. So think about that. Like, I'm willing to spend, you know, $5 million, $10 million to get people into scholars and then have my back end be just pure profit. And one of the reasons why I think scholars is as successful as it is, is it's not $97. I think because it's more expensive, people pay it, attention. It pe- not only that, but I think people think it's more valuable because I think a lot of the $97 things, the reason why we want to charge $97 or $20 or whatever is we think it's less of a decision, right? It's, it's less of a contemplation. It's an easier sell. It's like I signed up for this membership that was like $7 a month. It's like, you don't even think about it. You don't even notice it. But then you don't even think about it and you don't even notice it. Right. 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 So it's much more challenging to sell your back end because no one's engaged. So I think that's something really important to consider for anyone thinking about doing a membership is like, who, how do you want to position yourself and why? So if your profit center is your back end, which by the way, I've studied Russell Brunson so much, like he's just like <laughs> pounded this into my brain so much. And I think it's so valid and so true. And I think it's one of the reasons why his business is so successful is like, you have to make that front end offer so irresistible that that's why it's easy to sell, not because it's less expensive, but because you get so much for your money. But then also your back end is really where you cash out. And so whether that for me, that certification, whether for that it's mastermind, but you have to remember you're feeding that back end with the front end. So I'll tell you this, like I was doing a lot of um, book funnels in the beginning because of Russell, he like talked me into the mm-hmm. book funnel, but the quality of person I was getting off a of book funnel was terrible, right? Because mm. it was a $7 book. It was like, right? And so even though I was getting some upsells and I was cashing out and breaking even, the majority of the people that came through that funnel were not buying, like less than 1% were, up, were buying scholars or certification even though they were doing some of the upsells within my funnel. So I decided to stop that and just make scholars my front end. And I'll tell you that really simplified my business, my customer service, everything so much. And it made me so much better at sales and it made me create a much better program that scholars was. So I think that's just a different way of thinking about it that has really served me. I, I don't know that it'll serve you or anyone listening, but it's just, I think considering that the quality of the people that I'm working with every day is at least a two ninety seven per month person, yeah. which is just so enjoyable. I'll tell yeah. you that. Yeah, no, it's yeah, that's definitely definitely something to take into consideration. Yeah, very cool, man. My yeah. brain's toast. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I love talking about business. I love thinking about business models and how to set it up and and all of that. But I do think simplicity is magic. And I think 
because I have such a simple business model, that's one of the reasons why my head is so clear and it's not complicated. And I'm able to like, all I'm asking myself all the time is how do we make these two things better? Yeah. Always. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Brooke, thank you for the time today. Um, Loved it. Obviously, people can go to thelifecoachschool.com. Yep. And where else can they connect with you? The name of the podcast and all of that good the, stuff. The Life Coach School podcast and thelifecoachschool.com are the best places to find me. I just created a new program. This is actually might be interesting to your people. I just created a new program with my bookkeeper, my master bookkeeper called Entrepreneurial Bookkeeping. Mm. I think it might be the best program I've ever created in my life. It's super inexpensive. It's just a one-time fee. And it talks about how to think about money in your business, which has really served me. So you can you can find that more out more about that on uh, thelifecoachschool.com. But I think that might be of most interest to entrepreneurs listening versus life coaching. Maybe. So I'm at thelifecoachschool.com. Where would I find that? It's it's probably going to be on a hello bar by tomorrow. Okay. So, but okay, you can cool. you can you'll you'll and you can find it at entrepreneurialbookkeeping.com too. Okay. All right, great. It's just hard to type entrepreneur. <laughs> I was going I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> we do have entree-bookkeeping.com, but um, I don't even I don't even think entrepreneurial is a recognized word in like Google or Microsoft, because every time I type it, it it comes up as a misspelling. So, yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) We use it all the time, but it's like still not a real word, apparently. That's funny. I didn't even know that. I just named my program after it. So, (laughs) good stuff. It'll be unique, but it's it's super cool. So, definitely check it out. When you guys hear this, when does this go live? Uh, You know, I. Whenever. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, we've got it's the podcasting scheduling thing is is always dependent upon who has a book launch or a time-based deal and then everybody else who, who can chill out. Yeah, it, you totally. Know. So it'll be up by the time this goes out. That will definitely be out there. So yeah, gonna cool. Be this week, All right, so. awesome. Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And well, guys, yeah, guys, gals, thank you for listening as always. This was one of the most valuable episodes we've had and maybe be ever on the podcast. So Brooke, thank you for your transparency and your willingness to share. Loved it. Um, yeah, what you have. And if you think somebody could benefit from this, please share it with those you know and uh, leave us a review on iTunes. That would be amazing. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next week.